Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast, where our mission is to provide woodworking education for all levels and all types of woodworkers. To find out more about the Modern Woodworkers Association, visit us on the web at modernwoodworkersassociation.com or follow us on Twitter at MWA underscore national. Now to our host, Tom Maiovino, Diami Palatki, and yours truly, Chris Adkins. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this, the 50th, the Big Five Zero, the golden anniversary edition of the Modern Woodworkers Association online discussion about all things woodworking. Today's special J guest needs no introduction, but we should probably introduce him anyway, Thomas J. McDonald of Rough Cut Woodworking. Uh, but before we get to him, let me introduce to you our usual panel. First of all, I'm Tom Iovino of Tom'sWorkbench.com, and I'll be your host for the program. We're also joined by Chris Atkins. Chris. You got it. I'm and here. And Diami Palatki. Diami. Evening, Tom. How you doing? Just dandy, as always. I'm glad to hear that. That makes my heart so happy to hear that. Okay. So we're going to start off with what's in the shop, and actually we're going to talk a little bit about with Chris about something that happened outside the shop. Chris, what happened today, and why are, you, and, and why are we fortunate to have you here? I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know about fortunate to have me here. Uh, <laughs> no, it, it, we, we talk about safety all the time, so... Um, so I, I'll bring up something that happened to me today that doesn't have a lot to do with shop safety, but you know what? It sort of does. So I figure it's worth mentioning anyway. Um, on uh, on a project, um, you know, I I'm a general contractor and do a lot of big multifamily, but I also um, you know occasionally do some some other. Um, and I was stepping off of a deck um, on onto a kind of a lower place about it was i don't know it's probably a foot and a half or something off the deck down to the ground and there was a piece of plastic and underneath it i didn't realize there was a board with a nail sticking up and um stepped right on top of it and basically it went about three quarters of the way through my uh my right foot right on the the ball of my foot so um yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I was on the phone and I was on the phone like a business phone call. And so I really didn't want to like yell into the phone. So I just kind of calmly with the nail in my foot still said, um, Hey, um, I, I need to call you back in a few minutes and, uh, and then use my other foot to hold the board down and prize my foot off of it. So, um, now, now Chris, when, when this happened to me once when I was in high school, I, I stepped on a nail. When you lifted the foot up and the board was still attached to your foot. <laughs> I mean, did you did did you have a moment there of panic? Well, well, it was uh, you know, not really because it happened so fast. I didn't think that much about it, but it was uh, <coughs> I've I've almost done this a couple of times before, but most of the time I've always been you know, and it's funny because I I preach safety to my guys on the job sites all the time. You know, I'm constantly on them about wearing hard hats, constantly on them about boots, safety glasses, all that stuff, and. You know, it just it happened to be today that I really wasn't the area that I was in and and where I was walking. Um, you know, I really wasn't getting into the job and stuff yet, but it just shows that you got to be careful. And and where it relates, you know, the one reason to bring it up is you know it just it just you've got to keep safety on your mind all the time. So when you're in a shop, you know what your shop you may not have boards with nails sticking up on it, but I don't know maybe you do. But you know, it just you constantly have to keep thinking about safety, and um, I just think it's always important whenever I do something stupid like that, uh, like walking around a job site with a pair of dress shoes on. Um, Wow. And poke well, a nail through my foot. <laughs> let me just defend the dress shoes for a second. Had you been wearing boots, the nail still would have gone through the sole. 
You're right. I mean, you're right. It probably would have. It's frankly, it's much more important you look dapper, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> of course, you know, I I always have to look dapper walking around the, the site. But uh, you know, so so of course I go back to the office and uh, everybody yells at me because I didn't go look at it, get it looked at. So I ended you up going and getting a tetanus shot. Off? Well, I I did when I got back, and uh, of course there's blood in the bottom of my shoe and a hole in my foot and a hole in my sock and a hole in my shoe and my so I did end up going and getting a tetanus shot um and they gave me some antibiotics for it so I I think that I'm going to be able to keep my foot that's good wow <laughs> that's a that's a step in the right direction I tell you what though I I've, I've stepped on nails before like you know just barely stepped on them and had it kind of poke my foot a little bit but I've never had one go that far through and and hit a bone um after about 2 or 3 hours you know it was it's amazing how sensitive your feet are. And so after about three hours on it and, and tonight, you know, it, it was, it's a chore walking around on that. You know, it's amazing how sensitive and, um, you don't, you don't think about that. And the bad thing is, is I've got a race I'm supposed to be running. It's a 10 mile night race that I'm supposed I'll to be win. doing this Saturday, weekend, Saturday so. night. <laughs> so, so I don't think so. I can make it. Sure. Sure. Yeah. You're a tough guy. Okay. Well, while you were recuperating. And you're, you're going to miss that road race. Diami, what have you been working on? I've been still putzing along in the quote rack. And I'm saying putzing because it doesn't look like all that much going on. At least I feel like it hasn't changed the way it looks lately. But I've actually gotten quite a bit done since the last time we recorded. I've got all my joinery cut at this point. Um, I've got the whole thing dry assembled. There's just going to be a picture in the show notes of the entire quote rack dry assembled. And it's not finished yet, but <clears throat> excuse me. the next thing I need to do is take the cross rails and just uh, cut them at a, at a bit of an angle so they match the thickness and the bevel of the sidearms. And then it's time to just start shaping the whole thing. Because right now, though the sidearms are cut to these big curves, everything is essentially square. And I now need to first carefully and neurotically go over the whole thing and mark which edges I can completely round over and which edges need to end in a square yes. uh, shape so that I don't open up a joint as they all meet together. Um, but once that's once that's done, then it's lots of rasping and uh, power carving and rounding and rounding and rounding, and then I have sanding and finishing to do. So yeah, um, the sanding yeah starts yeah, after that. So yeah, the sanding the sanding won't be so bad. I've actually got sanding parts like this. I've got down pretty well. I go through uh I don't know about about five or six different grits. Um, I use a couple of the Rotex sanders and. You start it with an 80 at a low speed, and it takes the rest marks right out, and then you kind of slowly go through. And I'll probably end up sanding it up to about 300, but I'm not sure. Uh, the sanding is more tedious than anything. It's the it's the rasping that that can become a, become a nightmare. And I'm not sure I'm not sure how well it's going to go on some of the inside curves. I'm going to start shaping it certainly before I glue anything up. But there's going to have to be some shaping that gets done after it's all formed because it's going to blend pieces into each other. Sure, yeah, I mean, if you're going to blend it, you can't do it separately. So yeah, exactly, and. Um, some of that's going to be pretty easy and some of it's not. So I think I have to, I think I'm probably gonna have to pick up a set of, uh, I've heard them pronounced rifflers. I always thought they were riflers, but they're the, t the tiny little rasps. Sure. Yeah. So um, you can get into those tight areas. Exactly. To get into some of those tight areas. But that's, that's the fun part of it too, is, is the shaping. So that's where I stand is all the joinery is done. And, uh, by this weekend I'll be shaping. And so anybody that's, anybody that's listening, definitely go to modernwoodworkassociation.com and, and take a look at the show notes because, um, I mean, this is pretty neat. This is this is a very cool-looking quilt rack. Um, well, I, I like the design of it and the, the contrast in the woods. But let, let me ask you on 
just for ignorance of, of quilt racks, you, you've got three different bars. I mean, is it meant to hold three different quilts? Is it you're supposed to kind of drape over? I mean, kind of what's the... It gets three different quilts. Okay. and um, That's what I... Yeah, you you fold a quilt over the bar and it'll hang down vertically, and the bars are all yeah. they, they're at different heights and and different depths, so that right. three three quilts will hang. Um, if the aunt who's getting this is like my mother in law, it'll hold about nine quilts. <laughs> um, Did you weight test it? <laughs> well, that's next. The, the first quilt rack I made was for my mother in law, and it only has two rails. This is actually the first one I've made with three. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I saw it in my mother in law's apartment, it had. On two rails, I think it had six quilts on it. Um, but uh, I don't know. It, it'll hold as many as she puts on it. But one thing I did on this one, which is the first time I've done it, is the bottom, rather than just kind of being open or an enclosed drawer as with the last one, I've got a shelf. And it's at a slight angle facing forward so that you could actually fold up a quilt and put it on the shelf also. So technically, I guess this would display four quilts, not just the three. Okay. Cool. You like to live on the edge, don't you? I do. Yes, you do. <laughs> So, Tom. so what are you doing, Tom? Well, gosh, um, I, I wrote on my blog recently about, uh, you know, my well, everybody knows I'm building the hope chest for my nieces when he turns 16. And uh, you know, my wife kept asking me for years now, what about the nephews? So I started working on a few projects and I found a plan uh, for a dresser top valet. We kind of someplace you can throw your keys, your wallet, your it has a little area in the back to hold a cell phone if you're going to charge it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a little drawer underneath to put other stuff you want to you want to hide from view. And um, and it's a pretty cool plan. I got it from Wood Magazine, and um, and I just started milling some uh, walnut for it. So I'm in the shop now, looking at the the mess that is the uh, the the milling location. And um, and we're almost we're almost there to the right thickness. And uh, from there, I'll start cutting out pieces this weekend and uh, start doing some joinery and trying to get these things one of these things built, the prototype built. And then from there, it's you know I've got to start batching out a bunch of them. Now, but it should be kind of interesting. These are 16th birthday presents. No, no, a couple of my nephews have already passed 16. Oh, so, okay. uh, so they these are kind of belated 16th birthday presents by a few years. Because the, so, the hope chests were all actual 16th birthday presents. Yeah, they all, they all the hope chests are 16, you know, for the sweet 16th birthday. Right, so, so between yeah, so your we're hope- nieces and nephews, we know who you like. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, I like them all. It's just, you know, I never thought, you know, gosh, you build something for the guys. So, uh, so I, I'm, I'm rectifying that situation. Fortunately, Four of my nephews are still younger than 16, so I can catch up with them. <laughs> so yep. I can do that. That's good. But the ones who are over, I got to step up now. I got to step my game up. So I'm going to be playing a little catch up. But once I get this down, you know, this will be an easy plan to build. I'll get some practice. I'll make the mistakes on the first couple. After that, you know, I'll keep those, give those to other people, not my nephews, and then I'll start building like crazy. Yeah. I know you're you're working off the plan from Wood Magazine. You're going to adapt it a little bit. Once yeah. you've got got it worked out, says, you know, this is the one you want to build, will you then just batch them out and make multiples of the same, or is each one going to be different? Because the hope chests were each entirely different, weren't they? The hope chests are all unique. Um, the uh, you know a, a big, they're larger pieces. Um, these are going to be pretty much standard. And again, it's a real handsome piece. I mean, it's 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 a nice piece. sits up on a dresser. I'm gonna gonna do some sort of uh, uh, accent wood on the uh, on the shelf where you put your keys and everything. Trying to really make it look nice. Um, so uh, I, you know, I may change the wood species between. So uh, I don't know. I gotta I gotta figure this one out. If you're gonna vary it up with the species, if if I could make a suggestion about that panel on the inside, because I saw it, I saw the the uh, the picture from Wood Magazine, I guess it is that was on yeah. your blog when you were talking yeah. about it, is I would say at least on one of them, make that center panel tile. Okay. I would go with a glass tile, but that's my own aesthetic. But I think little, little a glass piece of tile, tile or a piece of sheet metal stuck to a piece of plywood with bonding with uh, contact adhesive will, Ooh, will look 
really nice. Yeah, maybe like a piece of sheet copper or something like that. Yeah. That would be kind of neat. Although you might have, you know, if you put metal keys on, I don't know if you have some sort of reaction, but we can cover it up with shellac or whatever. And that would prevent any reaction from happening. I mean, hey, we still have to experiment here. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. All right. Okay. So going around, going around the internet, um, I saw something today and it wasn't a blog post, but it's from, uh, it was a video that I saw. Somebody pointed in my direction to a, a Mike Rowe. It's called I Am a Woodshop. Um, there, it turns out there was a, a wood, uh, a school in California, I believe, that, um, actually, uh, Ottawa Township High School, I'm not sure where that was. Um, the students who were in there protested the closing of the industrial arts class and in the process got themselves suspended and banned from their senior prom. Oh, wow. So what Mike Rowe did was actually a really, a really moving, uh, 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 video kind of in tribute to these, to these students about, you know, their effort to help save. And the whole thing is, I am a wood shop. And it talks about all the things that happen in, in the wood shop, all the things that, you know, you, you learn how to work and wood is beautiful and really just a great minute and a half video. And we have the link in our show notes. Um, just a really interesting video. And if you, it, when you see it, I think you'll, you'll get, you'll get the feeling where Mike Rowe was going. Um, you know, Mike Rowe of, of the voice of Deadliest Catch, the guy who was in uh, the, the host of Dirty Jobs, definitely a strong believer in the industrial arts. And, yeah. um, you know, without a doubt, I mean, just a, the, the biggest proponent. He actually testified on, at, at the Senate uh, a few years back about it. Um, so it's just a really interesting video. And I tell you, if I had Mike Rowe on my side narrating a video in support of me, I'd feel pretty good about myself. Because nice. the guy's a stand-up guy. I mean, he's, he's a real stand-up guy. So, so yeah, without a doubt. Is. I mean, so, you know, definitely check it out. We've got it in the, in the links and, um, I can't say anything other than Bravo. I mean, it's just a great piece. Um, you know, definitely, uh, you know, we've got it linked and I, I've already sent that around on the uh, social media as well. Anything else? Catch your I think that was actually the only thing on the internet in the last two weeks. We, I think we, it was really other than that. Things have been going, things have been kind of quiet, Yeah, I, but not the modern, but not the modern rubric association. No, 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 right. no. We don't, we don't go quietly into that good night. <laughs> <laughs> our, our friend Sean Wozniewski, um, what? What I do? He, uh, I he, he, forget about it. Okay, he uh, he's actually uh, what he's done uh, is he has uh, gone on and recorded the goings on. So we're gonna roll that in right now. Sean, take it away. Hi, this is Sean, and this is what's going on in the Modern Woodworkers Association community. The woodworking shows have finished the year's rounds, and we're already planning on the next tour. They are, not we are. I hope you got a chance to go if you can. If they came nearby, word on the street is they're adding more cities next year. Good news. This weekend, uh, the Northeastern Woodworking Association 25th Annual Showcase, that's March 29th and 30th, the, in Saratoga Springs Center in Saratoga Springs, New York. Uh, also this weekend, there's a Lee Nielsen show down in Charleston, South Carolina, March 28th and 29th uh, at the American College of Building Arts in the Old City Jail. Uh, sounds like a cool location, and Tom Lee Nielsen himself will be there and may be bringing their new plow plane along. Also appearing will be the master carver Mary May and Caleb James, plane maker and chair maker. Plenty of tool porn there for sure. We'll look through the show notes for the links for those shows. Coming up in the Philadelphia, it's a Philadelphia Invitational Furniture Show that's going on April 5th and 6th at the 23rd Street Armory in Philly. So if you're in the area or traveling through Philadelphia around then, see if you can stop in. If you have an event in your area you want us to promote or want us to uh, start a chapter in your area, let us know. You can reach me at SeanW78 on Twitter or at SPWiz5578 at gmail.com. Hey, Sean, thank you very much for doing that. That's some really good stuff going on in the MWA. 
Hey, and I just want to say thanks to Sean for uh, for for working on this for us and and kind of stepping up and and helping us out with this other segment and kind of bear with us. It's it's going to be evolving a little bit. So uh, who knows? Maybe we'll pull Sean live on the show a little bit, and uh, maybe we'll record sometimes. But um, we're excited about this being part of the show. Yeah, we do appreciate his hard work. So thank you, Sean. And we appreciate everything you guys are doing out in the Modern Workers Association, out there in the in the local clubs. So keep it up. Keep working hard out there and let us know how we can help you spread the word about woodworking. And speaking about people who like to spread the word about woodworking, today is it's our 50th episode. I can't believe we've come this far. And nobody's, like, told us to get off the air. Well, um, Tom, well, actually, oh, yeah. they... Let's take a look at some of those comments. Uh, they, they have. They, they have. Yeah, I think that I think the word no talent, uh, no nothing t- uh, hacks, I think it's been thrown around a couple times. Please shut up. This came up a few times. Yeah, you know. but please, please just stop. It's painful to our ears. That's right. But it's funny because way, way back a long time ago in our first edition ever, um, we, we, we did it as a book review. And the book was actually written by this, this, this guy who's got this, he's got this woodworking show someplace. I can't, where, where is that? Where's that show? Yeah, I don't know. It's somewhere. Well, maybe we'll get, maybe our guest can tell us. A guest, are you still there? Tommy? I'm here. Hey, <laughs> it's Tommy McDonald from Rough. <laughs> How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Congratulations on your fiftieth, uh, you know, episode here of the uh, Modern Association. Pretty thanks, awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. For, thanks for coming. Yeah. Thanks for coming on too to help celebrate. Yeah, it's my pleasure. You know, I just had my ice cream. I had a little cake. You know, I'm chilling now, ready to, you know, snuggle in and talk woodworking. <laughs> I hope. I hope you had a candle for us, either <laughs> morning or in yeah, celebration. On a little cupcake. You know what I mean? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> You know, there's, it's not a party till somebody's actually had cake. <laughs> Come on, well, you know, let's face it. Here in my house. So, so Tommy. tell us what you're uh, tell us what you're working on right now, Tommy. Well, right now I'm working on trying to wrap up a house edition that I've been doing. So we're working on um, doing the trim work, but I didn't want to just get regular trim and buy it. So I just had some poplar mill down to four and a half and five inch. And it's such a pain in the neck to have to um, just clean it, sand it, take the mill marks off of it, and then, you know, hog out the back of it a little bit so I can keep it tight to my, my doors and windows. So I've been dealing with that, putting in baseboards and blah, blah, and trying to get, you know, my kitchen cabinets built. Al Dotnazio did an unbelievable job doing the cabinets. So we hung those the other day. They're looking pretty good in the kitchen. I'm kind of going with, like, an Oxford Crafts Mission style, so it's Cortison White Oak. They look oh, beautiful. really beautiful. And you can go to the... Uh, you know, the Rough Cut Facebook page to kind of follow along with the videos. Tom, I think you've been seeing them videos, right? Oh, my. I can't believe the amount of work you've done on this edition. I cannot believe. And, 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 and Tommy, it, you did it. Your timing season-wise has been just questionable. Let's just say that. <laughs> I, you start, I think this is probably the worst winter that you guys have had in New England since when? Since, since George Washington was the president? Of, you know, documenting winners. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but I really was optimistic when I started in um, – you know, early August that I was going to get it framed in, hopefully by Thanksgiving and then buttoned up by Christmas. And it just didn't happen that way. So we didn't get weather tight till I'd say mid to end of January. So it was really, thank God I put ice and water shield on the whole roof and I I tried to tie it all in. So I didn't get any water in. Good. Yeah. Hey, Chris, have you tried that, uh, that blue skin stuff? The blue skin? Uh-uh. Yeah, it's called blue skin. You're talking about the, uh, uh, Henry makes it. It's a vertical waterproofing. Yep. Yeah, we install it all the time. It's pretty good Do stuff. Yeah. It's an air barrier. It's okay. for, for waterproofing the, the structural wall before you put the facade on. 
Oh, hey, that's a test and patience putting that stuff on, huh? Yeah, yes, it is. It's very, very sticky, so be careful when you're using it. Sorry to hear about your foot, man. <laughs> yeah, appreciate it. It's uh, yeah, I've stomped on a few nails in my day. Uh, I, I've I've been fortunate never to do it um, to this extreme. So uh, um, I broke my leg doing that one time. Oh my gosh! Ooh. I I jumped out of. I was doing an addition ten years ago on, on a different house that I had, and uh, there were planks going out from the from the slider over the hole where the where the foundation was to the other side, you know what uh -huh. I mean? Right. And now one of the guys that was working for me, he must have moved the plank because he put it on a rock so it was unstable. And when oh. I walked across it, I was carrying, um, I feel what I was carrying, plywood or maybe a window, and, and it was heavy, so I lost my balance and I fell into the hole. Oh, and I broke my leg in my, you know, you know you have those two bones in the bottom part of your, like, oh, your yeah. leg. Yeah. yeah. And you can walk on one of them, you can't walk on the other. <laughs> Right. Well, I broke the one that didn't really matter. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. My leg was so black and blue. Oh. It was unbelievable. The next day I woke up, I threw up because of the pain. And then oh. it was weird. I just put it in my boot and I went right back to work. And it was like, fine. <laughs> but it was broke for sure. Jeez. <laughs> You know, you know, Tommy, you know, it's, it's not like the, the good old days out on the frontier. They're actually a doctor can actually help you these days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, those are the days when I had no health insurance. You know oh, what I mean? Oh, good point. Yeah. <laughs> Just chewing that, chewing that stick. You'd be okay. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, so I, you know, since we're talking a little bit about some remodel stuff here, what, what made you, and I've, I've been following a little bit of your stuff doing the house and stuff on Facebook too. And, uh, what what made you decide to document all that? I mean, you know, I know you with the show, you're you're documenting pretty much everything. Uh, what made you decide to jump in and do the house as well? It's a side that that a lot not a lot of people not a lot of people have seen of me, you know. Mm -hmm. And this is this this is my roots. I, I learned how to do house construction and home remodeling. That this is this is what I really do. And mm -hmm. I thought it would be fun to let people kind of get an inside look on like what the TV guy's doing when he's not on TV, because I'm, I'm really just like everybody else. I mean, I'm, I'm living in a construction site. So I, I wanted to in, like, let people know what you can expect when you go to do an addition like this and how much it really, you know, affects every part of your existence. When you go home, it's like this dust, dirt, debris everywhere. And, you know, it, it's just a hassle. So I wanted to let people know if you're out there remodeling your house or you're thinking about it, don't take it lightly and really expect to have, you know, a huge inconvenience. Now, this, they said this is like one of those things where most married people flip out and they fight a lot during, right. you know, this oh, yeah, type yeah. of a thing. So, my parents, my parents got divorced and I wondered, you know, when the day was going to happen, just watching them hang wallpaper. <laughs> okay, I mean, it was stressful <laughs> yeah. enough right there. That's why I paid Tom. Huh? I know. I mean, it does, yeah. hanging wallpaper tough. Seriously. Yeah. Tommy, you say how this is this is your roots. For people who might not know, can you talk about how you got from um, well, f how you got into where you are now? You know, take us through your your roots to uh, to working on a woodworking TV show. Okay, you know, I mean, I'm 47 years old, so when I was a kid, you know, 1978, the thing that was on television was this old house. You know what I mean? And my parents must have known at a young age that. College probably wasn't in my future. <laughs> so, um, and I'm the youngest boy out of nine kids, and my dad was always fixing stuff around the house. So he was the, the guy who put the hammer in my hand out of necessity. It wasn't like he was like, come with me, son. I'm going to teach you the fine, you know, lifestyle of craftsmanship or whatever, you know. It's like we needed to fix some stuff, and, and I was his guy. So mm -hmm. I, I get introduced to it really young. And then when I was in middle school, the local um, 
Volk Tech School had an after-school program, and I went to this after-school program, and that's where I got introduced to a lot of industrial arts and, and a lot of culinary arts and, and, and all sorts of stuff. You know, they have like 12 shops at that school, and I, and I saw every single one of them. And then when it came time for me to go to high school, I went to that high school, and I, and I was in the, uh, the carpentry department. You know, and within that carpentry department, they had, you know, um, one semester you went in a workshop. And it was funny because I got introduced to woodworking really, really young at that school. And I always thought to myself, one day when I retire, I'm going to have a nice little wood shop. Like, <laughs> like we all, right? Right. Yep. Just didn't know it was going to be at 35. And then they had a remodeling, um, wing, a masonry wing and a, and a new construction wing. And it was really an interesting program. And then when I graduated high school, well, I actually didn't graduate. When I got out of high school, my dad got me into the carpenters union and then I did an apprenticeship program. And I got my builder's license, and I was just uh, off and running, swinging a hammer, you know, on some of the biggest job sites here around the city of Boston. And I did that for about 17 years. And then one day I uh, I had a bad shoulder accident. You know, I didn't think it was nothing, to be honest with you. It just kind of hurt, and I just kept working and kept working because I'm stubborn like everybody else. And um, I ended up doing a lot of damage to my own shoulder because I just didn't heed the warnings of my body saying I needed to Ooh. take a break. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. I yeah. separated and I just kept working through it. And then I, I oh. had a huge uh, tendon problem, had a couple of surgeries. My shoulder never came back. I lost 80% function overhead. I just couldn't do my job no more. So uh, my orthopedic surgeon said you should check out this school that I never heard of before called the North Bennett Street School in the North End in the city of Boston. So out of desperation, went, yeah, I mean, I didn't even know about it. I mean, it's famous if you know about it, but I, believe me, I had no idea that that place even existed. Wow. Um so I went, kind of checked it out, fell in love with it, filled out the application. I was on a waiting list, you know, supposedly for two years. And then, um, believe it or not, within 90 days, somebody had backed out and then I took their place. So between the time that I filled out my application to when I started was like, I felt like literally 90 days. Wow. Amazing. I was off front. I started making furniture for a living, you know, which was really, you know, a strange thing because I never expect. I thought that I was going to be like a box maker or do like built-ins. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And, and I was willing to do that, but I just ended up making some really neat furniture. And Bob Vila was doing, you know, a walkthrough with the school, saw what I had been building, gave me an opportunity to be on television. I took that opportunity, and uh, by the time I got out of school, I was kind. I kind of had a national name, you know, because I was on his his uh, television program, you know, which was really a huge, huge like blessing to be honest with you it was just like oh yeah i was in the right place at the right time it wasn't like i did anything to make it happen you know mm. so from Tommy, there yeah probably talk talk to us a minute about about the experience at north bennett i mean this is this is i mean this is a big time school people are like you said people are waiting a few years to get in i mean what was the experience like for you i mean you know is it just hey here we're going to build a chair or is it you know i mean is it you're you're cutting joints day after day after day until you're good enough to actually put it together to a piece of furniture um no, well, you know, I have a different learning experience than other people. The, the beautiful thing about that school is that everybody can learn at their own pace, you know? Okay. And when I was there, there was, the school was going through a transition with some instructors, so it wasn't really structured like it is now. Um, Steve Brown did an unbelievable job, you know, building a curriculum, like, after I got there. And now Dan Fayette picked it up, and he improved upon it. So now when you go there, it's a, it's a real tight curriculum. But when I was there, it was kind of like all over the place, which for me was perfect. <laughs> um, to be honest with you. That's what he's saying, Tommy. Come on. I mean, I was intimidated going there. I mean, really, really intimidated because I hadn't been in that kind of environment since high school. I didn't go to college. I never, you know, I was never a boardroom guy. I was never like an office guy. So 
I was just a job site guy. And when I went to that school, I was really, really intimidated. But I had confidence that if I could just get the tools in my hand, I'd be all right. So you need to build a, a table, a case piece, and a chair to graduate. And the thing about me is that I'm really teachable, and you can just tell me what to do, and I'm just going to go do it, you know? I don't really ask a lot of questions about why until afterwards. So I just built a lot of stuff, and I ended up building nine pieces of furniture when I was there. So, you know, it ended up being a really good experience for me, not just as a furniture maker, but I was forced to interact with a, with a whole different group of people. And it really broadened my horizon as a person. You know what I mean? Yeah. I love yeah. that place. So what did you build as far as furniture up to that point? Really, I know you said you had a little exposure uh, to it, you know. Yeah, I was like the, you know, I, I got my inspiration from a guy like Norm Abram and those type of programs. So everything I did was like with a nail gun and, and you know, a chop saw. Right. I'd never built a fine piece of furniture in my life. Literally, nothing. Wow. I know. I mean, I did a lot of kitchens and bathrooms and, and built-ins and things, but not furniture. Uh, you know, and well, casework. Yeah, case, but you know, to be, like if you're working with plywood as opposed to trying to build a federal piece or like a Bombay secretary or whatever, they're just two different animals. Yeah, a little different. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot different. <laughs> you know, but when I get out of that school, I mean, I was really blessed. I mean, I got to tell you, I mean, I work hard, but I was really blessed because when I was there, the first architect of this old house had was there. He was a, a classmate of mine that was like above me. You know. And his okay. name is Jock Gifford, and he gave me the inside track that Bob, that Norm is going to re, uh, be retiring in 2006 or something. I had that information. And when I was graduating, the new group of students were coming in, and one of the students' names, his name is Peter McGee, and he was the newly retired general manager of WGBH. So I had something in common with these guys because we're all woodworkers, you know? Right. And they knew Norm was going to retire, so... um they basically told me to clean up my act because you guys all saw that, like the teachers or podcast that was on ballvila.com, you know, yep. um, they said, listen, you should take yourself more seriously and, and maybe I'll make a phone call for you. And then you can talk to somebody at WGBH. And then that's what I did. That's when I started major league woodworking and all that other stuff. And I started my own website and blah, blah, blah. That was just for the opportunity to get my toenail into the door at WGBH in 2007. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's a great opportunity. Yeah. So once I was in that office, I, you know, Lori Donnelly, my executive producer, really fell in love with what I was doing and the enthusiasm that, that I brought to woodworking. And, uh, you know, it took about two more years of convincing them and, and the, the hierarchy at WGBH that we could do another television program like the New Yankee Workshop, you know. Mm -hmm. Right. And then I got a letter. All it took was like a letter. And I felt like Charlie at the chocolate factory getting that. <laughs> I bought a letter saying, WG dude, I got a letter saying WGBH was going to, you know, develop a program with Thomas McDonald if we could find funding. So once I had that letter, I'm telling you, man, it was like within three weeks, I had the money and, and Woodcraft was the company that stepped up. And it was really because of my internet connections through like um, all the guys that are on the internet because Charles Neal, you know, is a pretty yep. good friend of mine. Yep. He's the guy who told me to call Woodcraft and ask, you know, for the CEO and president. And I just cold called and just like that. So I owe, I owe a lot of my success to a lot of other people. I just put one foot in front of the other. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. But it's been five That's years. Been... Imagine that five years we've been on, on the show. We're doing Tommy, my job. It's amazing. It, we were there in Cincinnati at the Woodworking in America conference yeah. when it debuted. Yes, sir. I, I got to tell you, it, it, there was, it, it, there was, the, the air was electric. I mean, it was, here is, you know, here's this new show coming out and all these woodworkers are really excited to see this. I mean, it was, it was, it was a big deal. Yeah. I was nervous too, because let me tell you something, <laughs> coming in right behind some, like the icon, Noam Abram on his network, on his time slot, you know, 
Wow. I mean, I, it, it took me, you know, it took me a while to get thick skin and learn what this job really means because I, I feel like a fish out of water. Um, it's not like I went to college to be a, a TV person. Do you know what I mean? So I had to learn what it was like to be kind of like the face of, of a franchise. And, you know, I really appreciate everybody sticking with because, you know, you were there in Cincinnati, so it was a little bumpy when I first came out. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, you know, hey, everybody, listen, yeah. listen, you, you took you took the right steps going in the right direction. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, yeah. You know, you got you to move ahead. You know, it's like it, it, you may stumble, you may stagger, but as long as you're moving ahead, you're moving ahead. Right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it, it, I can't believe it's been five years. Like my first year, I mean, we got nominated for an Emmy. I mean, imagine that. And then the second year we got nominated and a million people a week started to watch this television program. Wow. And, you know, it, it's, it's amazing. Like the voracious appetite that the public has to, to what we do, right? They just want to demystify the process and they want to learn how things are made and they want to learn how wood goes together. Not that a lot of people that watch my television program are going to do it. They just want to know how to do it. And I think that what I bring to the table that's different than other woodworking programs is, is that one, I, I just, I'm off the cuff. I just try to keep it simple about my explanations. And then I love to bring experts in and I love to heed, like just give the table to them. So having someone like Silas Coffin doing marketry to me is like a really big treat as a, just a fellow woodworker to sit there and watch that master do his thing. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah. yeah. And I, and I think that in and of itself, is empowering to people because they just see me as another woodworker trying to learn like they, like you guys do, you know, and, and I don't try to be the expert at all. You know, it's, it's interesting you say that because, you know, one of the things you, you talk about is just, you know, with, with, with television, you know, you say a lot of these people are probably not going to go out and build this kind of stuff. And that's, that's an interesting thought because I mean, it's, it's a totally, you know, in, in doing a podcast like this, I mean, nobody's going to listen to this podcast that has, no interest in woodworking other than just some mild curiosity. I mean, it's, it's, so it's, it's a different medium when you're talking about television because you get oh, yeah, people that are, that are watching that's not necessarily somebody that's going to jump in there, but you know, they might, it may inspire somebody to jump in there. I mean, how many of us, you know, grew up, you know, you know, watching, you know, the, you know, watching Norm and, and, and all these guys and, and got inspiration from that and kind of wanted to get in there and, and do some, um, you know, some woodworking. Um, exactly. So, you know, it's, it's television programming. So the first thing it needs to be is entertaining, right? If it's not entertaining, nobody is going to watch it whatsoever at all. Exactly. It's TV. Yeah. It's, it's the entertainment business. So first it needs to be that. And then it needs to get your attention. And then once it's entertaining, it needs to be inspirational. So that the right. program needs to inspire you somehow. And, and, and we really want it to be educational. So like for me, if I can entertain a wide group of people, that watch my show and they give or take woodwork and they just like me. They like the special guests. They like, they like the road trips. They like, you know, Eli on there. They like Al. They like, you know, all that that's going on. Now for the guys who want to be inspired a little bit, we build interesting projects and we have great guests and then that might inspire them to go do something on their own. The educational part of it is for like the, the woodworkers who really tune in. So what we try to do and we're very conscious of it on the television program is to teach one little tip. That that's for the woodworker only. That they're gonna say, "Wow, I get that. Wow, look at what he just did. I see what he's doing." And then from there, like I don't care if you build my project or what we're doing on TV, but if you can take that one little nugget of information and apply it to whatever you're doing in your workshop, I think it attracts those people too. So with this kind of like um, boilerplate that of of you know the way that we do a television show now, 
seems to be very successful and it's all inclusive and, and it's really starting to take off. You know, no matter if you are a, a seasoned vet, like, like a lot of you guys are, or if you're just a complete newbie that just likes it to be interesting. How do you right, come up with accessibility? Your, right. How, how do you, when you're coming up with the project list through, for the seasons and stuff, how are you coming up with that? Is that something that, you know, you guys kind of brainstorm all together on? Is it, you know, you, you getting suggestions from listeners kind of, what's the process about that? Well, every year I evaluate the program and then I see where I could improve and then kind of see what I haven't done yet. And then, you know, for me, the challenge is how can you make woodworking broad and and how can you attract a, a completely huge, huge audience of people? Because, you know, maybe, you know, you like Windsor chairs or maybe you like green and green or maybe you like, you know, uh, marquetry or, or parquetry or maybe you just want to do machine work or, or maybe just a little bit of handwork, right? So. I don't look at each episode as an individual episode until I look at the entire season as a body of work. So I say, well, I want a couple of projects that are going to be interesting to new people. And I want projects that are interesting to little kids or to grandfathers who want to get their grandkids into this thing. You know, that's why we do things like the birdhouse, right? Right. And then I think of other projects that, like, I haven't done yet, like a Windsor chair. I've never built a Windsor chair. We have an opportunity to get a real pro on. You know, um, his name is Peter. Um, I forget his last name. I always stumble on his last name, but you know, it's going to be really, really fun this year because I'm going to somebody else's shop and I'm going to sit down. I'm going to be teachable and let him teach me how to do something that I've never done on TV before. Nice. And I think that that will be an interesting project, you know, because people love Windsor chairs, but how do you build them? Right. And we always try to have an outdoor project and we always try to have something traditional and then something a little bit contemporary. And and I have a lot of fun with Eli and Steve sitting down and trying to design certain pieces just for fun. I you know like the spring chair last year. I was like that red spring chair. Do you, do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, I remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean that was just something that I saw. You know those old metal spring chairs. I was like, boy, I'd like to do something like that. And there's a chair that's at WGBH's lobby. That's a real piece of junk. You know. But I liked it. I was like, I just like the style of that chair. So it's fun now that me and Eli have been together for so long because I can talk to him about a specific thing that I'm thinking. And he's had a long time to, to cultivate <laughs> doing, um, you know, uh, CAD drawings and all that other stuff. Okay. And he's unbelievable when he comes to drawing on a computer now. And I mean, over the last five years of him doing all those projects and doing all the graphics for the TV show, Eli does all that work. Wow. So it's fun to interact with him as designers and then get Steve Brown involved and, and get all these people involved that just love woodworking. And to be honest with you, you know, Steve Brown has way more experience with this stuff than I do. So why wouldn't I, you know, be smart and listen to him about, you know, certain projects that we want to bring to the forefront of uh, television programming? Right. Most definitely. Makes sense. Tommy, when, when you build a when you build a project, do you typically build you know, one or two prototypes of it just to get the feel and then do the one for TV? I mean, what's the process like for you when you go from the concept through the final piece on the show? I mean, what's a timetable like? Well, um, every year we, we try to get started early. <laughs> and every year we <laughs> I like to try to part. Yeah. It's the last minute. So, you know, a lot of the things that we, that we're building it like on TV uh, is like the one that we're building. So we usually build one complete. And then from there, we'll we'll backtrack and then we'll say, okay, now we have one that's done. We need one dry fit. Then we need a bunch of parts. Nice. Okay. You know, but we don't get a lot of time to, like this year, I'm doing a rocking chair, right? With uh, Tom McLaughlin. And sure. Tom McLaughlin, Eli, yeah. and I sat down uh, last week and, and we went over the, like the, the, the framework of the chair that I want to design. And then 
with the input of all three of us, you know, we came came up with the concept. And this is kind of like the first time that I've done this. Tom Tom went back to his shop up in New Hampshire, and he's going to build a little model and a little prototype. And then I'm going to go up there and look at the prototype. But this is typically not the way that we do it. You know, it's nice that he can do it this time because he has time. I mean, sure. Eli and I are, are just building stuff now. And um, this year, we're gonna. This is the first year we're gonna be doing a, a, a one project over two episodes. So that should be pretty okay. Cool. Uh, one of the larger, larger concept ones. Yeah, we're gonna be building like a linen press. You know. Nice. Nice. Yeah, we're gonna be building a pencil post bed this year, which I think will be really cool. So. You okay, know. I'm gonna have to get my wife to watch that episode. Yeah, you know, she, she wants me to build a new bed, so it's it's gonna be you know one of those things. I'm still thinking about the design. Well, if you decide to build a pencil post, you know, you just make a jig and you, you cut the, the the tapered octagonal shape on the um, table saw. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I can't believe it's been five years. And, and, you know, what I love about what we do is that it's an endless amount of ideas that you could just whip right. up and put yep. something together. Yeah. So how do you think it's changed over over the past five years? I mean, obviously, the first season, you know, you kind of jumped into it with just jumping in. I mean, you know, it's not even knowing what to expect. And I'm sure the second season, you know, there's really a here, here's what we're going to do. And, you know, by five, I mean, what what, what changes have, have you made and, and what do you see changes coming in the future? Well, I think the biggest change for me is that I don't look at it. I don't look at the television program just through the eyes of a, of a woodworker, like I did with my podcast. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, I just was sure. like all content based. Now I look at it through yeah. the eyes of like executive producer and producer and, and okay. how does it all tie together and how do you tell that story? So like for me, I feel as though my main job is to be able to articulate the process, you know, coherently. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and that's a difficult product. Like you guys know, you've all tried to do video and explain things. But but the beautiful thing about having a podcast or doing this online is that you can take all the time you want. But with television, you only have a short amount of time. So it's been a, a learning process for me to take like a long thought out like um, phrase or paragraph in my head and then mm-hmm. condense it down to like a, a, a very short sentence. So I've gotten very good at doing that now. Right. Looking at it from from that from that space. Okay. And what we what we want to do in the future is just continue to bring new people into uh, the woodworking fold and always have room for for new and upcoming young ex- yeah Peter Galbert that's exactly who it was <laughs> Chris just typed in Peter Galbert yeah that's him dude yeah I can't remember his last name to save <laughs> trying to help you, know you out about him <laughs> he lives in a um in a he lives in an old um uh I'm sorry. He makes chairs, and he lives in an old chair maker's factory from the 1700s. Yeah, and he didn't know it when he bought it. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, isn't that cool? I knew a couple. Of, I knew a guy years ago when I was pretty young still that that went up and and uh, you know went up and visited couple, his. It's like a, like a few. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. And and uh, went up and visited his shop. You know, was just so impressed by the whole place. So yeah, it's a pretty cool place. I'm intimidated by Windsor chairs. You know what I always think about when a Windsor? Every time I think about a Windsor, remember that movie, The Patriot, with Kevin yes. Costner, when he yeah. builds the one, and every time he'd sit in it, the thing would just completely fall apart. <laughs> yeah, me too. I don't want that shit to happen to me on public television. <laughs> <laughs> you oh, cannot man. sit in the chair until it's yeah. on camera. Show it for the camera, but don't sit yeah. in it. Okay, <laughs> exactly. And Charles is going to be on this year. I hope. Nice. 
Yeah, and um, you know, uh, we've been talking to Mark Spagnola, and and he agreed to come on the show if we can make it happen. So I'm really excited to get those two guys on the show this year and go kind of go back to my roots of you know the humble beginnings of me starting on the web. I'm, I really get blown away when I think about I was just a guy in my shop with a camera shooting what I was doing, and and here I am five years later, you know, at the forefront of of a national television program that I executive produce and host. You know what I mean? And and I, I'm just blown away by the transition from doing what I was doing then to doing what I'm doing now. So I would like to go, go to go back and, and, and get those guys that are online on my television program. Yeah. I think it would be fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. Look, looking, looking forward, Tommy, um, you know, into, into the future, you know, get out there, get out the crystal ball here. Um, what, what's your, what's your thought as far as the future of, of rough cut? I mean, do you, do you, do you see yourself doing this 10, 15 years from now? You know, I, I think it's possible as long as we can keep it fun and interesting. And, and I want to continue to do it. You know, I own the television program with WGBH and, and the beautiful thing about owning it is that, you know, I, you guys know what it's like when you own and build something. Sure. I, I've been a builder my whole life. So I built houses and bridges and tunnels and I built furniture. And now I'm building this big brand and, and I really love the challenges that, that, that come my way in, in the new space that I'm in. And, and the opportunities that, that come my way are really, really fantastic. Like, like now I am the spokesperson for the Harvard Forest Foundation, which is a national oh. foundation that um, teaches the truth about trees and, and the importance of, of cutting trees responsibly in North America. Did you guys know that there are more trees in North America now than there were when the Pilgrims landed? I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. No, no, I didn't either. Isn't that, doesn't that blow you away? That's, That's incredible. I know. And did you know that um, wood structured buildings aren't considered green buildings? They're not. No. Isn't that strange? So so glass and and um, steel buildings get green, you know, you know, stamp of approval from the yeah, government. Lead certification, yeah. Well, yeah. I I've built I've built a I've built one lead certified building, and um, it, it's it's tough. It's tough with it's really it, this was a wood frame construction building. And it was very tough to get that certification with the wood because part of the problem with the wood is just it's the tracking of it. And it's it's, you know. Yeah. But but still, you know, there's no political will to, to make that happen because that's when right. you think about, you know, renewable resources. Right. Trees are like the only one we have. Yeah. Cut them all down and 50 years later, you're going to get a whole forest full of them. But if you dig into the ground and, and, and dig out all that iron ore, mm-hmm. it's not like it's going to come back. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. yeah. And the devastation that you create when you when you dig those mines or like if you go for a bunch of gas, you know, if you just like go for natural resources, you, you create a huge problem. But with trees, you can cut, I swear, a thousand square miles of it. And in 50 years, nobody would be the wiser. You know, they cut every tree down from the Atlantic to the Pacific, you yes, know, over the last couple hundred years and they keep growing. So. <laughs> I think there are tons of trees, and it's interesting to know how many different things come from trees. And what we do is we go around and we, we talk to little kids that are like in fourth and fifth grade, and we do this really fun presentation called The Truth About Trees. I shot a video for them, and I think that it, it it's good for me to go do that stuff, and it's good for you know everybody to, to really hear the message that we need to responsibly harvest trees because we all benefit from it. So that's a really great opportunity. I've been working with Pony Tools. You guys know Jorgensen Clamps, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yep. Jorgensen Clamps is a family-owned business. It was Jorgensen and Pony and Adjustable Clamp. They were like three, three, um, you know, company names. And now mm-hmm. they're all under one, which is Pony Tools. It's a family-owned business. Now the grandson owns it. He's a really great guy. And, you know, just by luck, 
they were watching my television program. They saw that I was using, you know, clamps other than theirs. They called me and they, you know, they flew me out to Chicago. I've been a huge fan of their, their products my whole life. I grew up using their stuff, you know, mm -hmm. um, and I actually knew those guys, you know, years ago, my friend, Jim Luli, I was like, Jim, I love those clamps, <laughs> you know? Um, so they hired me as a consultant. So I was able to, uh, you know, give my two cents on a really old um, design and we've changed a lot of the handles. So instead of the wood handles that are on those clamps, they're, 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 they're like those rubber handles now. So Okay, so you get a better grip, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see them on the show. And, you know, we're talking, coming out with a, a Tommy Mac signature series and a Tommy Mac branded tools, kind of like the throwback ones that I did, you know, five, six years ago. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to That's follow cool. Martha Stewart, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just, it's crazy to think that I just started with a podcast and, and now I have all these other opportunities. So what about, so what about your, your woodworking, Tommy? I mean, where, where do you see your own woodworking going? You know, we, oh my God, it's going down the drain <laughs> <laughs> because before it was my, it was my job and, and that's all I had. Right? right. And now that I have the job of executive producer and, and host of the television program and I, and I'm married and I have a house now, it's like my own personal time in the shop. It's like everybody else, it's the challenge to get into the shop, right? And I've been trying to get into the shop just to do my own work. Right. But the problem is, that, you know, I, I'm still, I'm buried with this house. So I'm still doing a ton of woodworking. It's just not like what I would like to do. To be honest with you, I have a desk that I started years ago because I was going to do a video on it. And I'd like mm -hmm. to go back and finish that desk. But I do like just building all the projects with Eli throughout the year. And, I, and a lot of those projects are my personal projects. The things that I think of and the things that I would like to build and I share that experience with Eli, and then we put it out there for the whole world to see. You guys how ever much build does, anything in? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, Tommy, how much does your desire to make it weigh into into whether you build it on the show? I know you talked about building for all the different audiences and trying to, a bunch of different styles, but at the end of the day, if it's a piece that's, for whatever reason, going to really appeal to an audience, but you're like, eh, about building, does it get built, or do you need to want to make it for it to even make the list? Well, I want to make it for a lot of different reasons, but ultimately, yeah, I, I want to know how to, like, I want to know how a Windsor chair is made. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I don't know if I want to sit there and, and sit on the, the, the shave horse and, and whittle every single piece of wood to make it, but I, I'm certainly interested to know how it's going to be made. And for me, the challenge now is like, I want to see things being built in, in the way that I think they could, they could be built, like the baseball bat bed. I mean, I've been building those things for mm -hmm. years and I just love that bed. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. And I wanted to build it. Some of the things that I, I don't really want to build, but I feel as though if it was just about me wanting to build things, I would pigeonhole myself into things that I like. And I wouldn't force myself to, to look at other things. You, do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't grow. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't grow as a woodworker. And, and, and so I try to force that change on myself and continue to, to morph into, you know, a, a broader craftsperson, at least just to try it a little bit. Not that I want to go build 50 Windsor chairs or whatever, but I at least want to, you know, give a crack at one of them to really dig into it. And I think if I just built what I wanted to build, the audience would, would get bored with the repetitive stuff, right? Because I like mm -hmm. to build certain things. Like if you could build anything, what would you build on TV? And that's the question. And so yeah, right. I posed that question to myself 13 different times throughout the year. <laughs> and then we built 13 different things. So do you, um, I guess one, one kind of last question before we kind of start getting close to wrapping this up and, and we've, we've got some of our five basic questions we go through. Um, you know, just, you know, how, how's the experience in the shop and, and how is it, you know, you, you briefly touched on that, you know, 
um, just how is it working in there with the guys? And, and, and is all the work that you're doing towards the, do you guys ever build anything that's just, you know, away from the show or, or is it pretty much focused just on the show all the time? And just talk a little bit about your working relationship in there. Well, it, I'm hardly in my shop because I am on the road all the time. Uh-huh. I, I travel a ton. I do appearances all around the country. So like, that's my job now. So right. I, I don't get a lot of time in my shop and, and some days it really, really bothers me. And some days I'm like, I can't believe I'm, I'm sitting on this plane heading, you know, like I'm going to Chicago on Tuesday. Do you know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, some days I believe me, it's like anything you guys know. It's like some days I, w- I would give anything to just go sit in my shop and, and, and put on some music and, and just, just do what I love to do with the most. But you know, I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade it at all because I know that I can still get in that shop whenever I want. I just right. need to, I, I, I got to get my house stuff done and I need to get this, you know, um, need to just wrap up what I'm doing so I can spend more time in there. I'll tell you one thing. Um, a friend of mine has been, been really, I have a couple of friends of mine that are really passionate about woodworking and I gave them a couple of keys to my shop. And so they come down and when they come down, they call me. And then when I, when I go there and I hang out with, with those guys and I see the enthusiasm that they have, it's infectious mm-hmm. to me. So I, I kind of feed off my friends who were in there building bookcases and, and a couple of little things. Do you know what I mean? So right. that's what I really yeah. love to do is hang out with those guys and they're lighting a fire under me to get ready for season five. I think that's one thing we've learned with all the people we talk to is hanging out with and talking with and working with other woodworkers is just so inspiring and gets everybody just motivated to, to want to make so many things. Yeah. The the last episode that we recorded, we had a guy, uh, Jeremy Pickett um, up in up in New York and he's got a big, you know, huge shop where they've got a lot huge of, uh, shop. you know, co-op and got all these other people. And, you know, I, I've thought about that ever since that episode. You know, I just can't get this out of my head about this co-op and, oh, yeah. and just the motivation that that brings of you get go into a shop and you've got other people there working and coming up with ideas and just, you know, the inspiration that, that can come from that. Oh yeah. Co-ops are great. As long as you're not running it. <laughs> That's the key. <laughs> you know, if you can pay, you know, a hundred bucks or 200 bucks a month to just have a open shop at your disposal. Yeah, man, it's the best. But if you have to clean the bins after everybody leaves, it's the worst. <laughs> and chase down those guys for the rent, money, you know? <laughs> That's right. Hey, Tommy, what, one, one last question before we wrap things up. You know, what, what words of advice do you have for woodworkers out there today? I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of tools out there. There's a lot of, uh, techniques out there there's a lot of different projects you can build I mean, what, what, what words of advice do you have for that for that for that budding woodworker really wants to get into it what 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 would you what would you tell them first start out by buying a rough cut book <laughs> <laughs> of course no I'm Priorities just... <laughs> in order, right, Tommy? you know what i would tell somebody and i tell people all the time build something like decide to build something buy the tools that you only need to build that one particular piece of furniture and build it you know just build it, build, build it soup to nuts and don't get caught up in the minutia of, of perfection and trying to do things perfectly all the time. And like when I went to the Bennett Street School, the first thing I did was just turn myself over to the process. I, I know what I said to myself. I said, well, you know what? I'm not that good at it, but hopefully by the time I get out of here, I'll be pretty good. And I allowed myself a lot of room to make mistakes. So if you are just starting out, you know, you can't expect yourself to, to, to do it the way that, that I can do it, you know? It's like having a job. I, I think that it, it takes like 10 years to get good at anything. Like we all have jobs, right? You know, yeah. it takes 10 years yep. to get good at your job because we've seen every problem that comes down the pike. Now, remember the first day you went on your job compared to like what you do today on your job? Sure. It's right. the same thing with woodworking. So don't expect to, that you don't 
think that you have to be perfect at the beginning. Just build stuff, have a good time with it, and complete the project that you start. Sweet. We're sound words of advice, Tommy. Hey, yeah, Tommy. man. Finish it. Because, you. hey, you guys, how many projects do you have in your shop right now? Tom? <laughs> well, me, personally, I've got I've got three cooking right now. Yep, three cooking. How about you, Chris? Uh, I think I've got two projects right now with okay. about four on the drawing board. How <laughs> <laughs> I got a, I got two spread across the benches now. Yeah, see, you guys are not bad, but I know people that have like eight, ten projects. Oh there. yeah, <laughs> they just never finish them because yeah. these guys have such a voracious appetite to learn. And once they learn and they demystify the process, the other That's part it, they is move on. A bunch of work, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So they call it <laughs> yeah, wood reason, you know. You right. figure out that one. You figure out that one technique, and you're done. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to finish the piece of furniture. You got to that. No, you have to. You have to. I'll keep a couple going, but. I uh I definitely have to keep them finished up too. Just finish, Tommy. I cannot thank you. We cannot thank you enough for coming on to celebrate our fiftieth show with us. And I'll tell you what, would you be up to coming back again sometime soon? Yeah, yeah. You all have my 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 number. You know, just give yeah. me a buzz whenever you need. Whatever you need, let me know. Tommy, you're a gentleman and a scholar both. And thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Tom. And, no. and thank you so much for good for, for doing TV, this. This right? is really great. Yeah, it's been fun. You know, sorry I haven't caught up to you guys in a while. No, on, no, we're glad you came it. on. Any Anytime you've uh, got anything that you want to throw out there, uh, definitely uh, reach out to us. Uh, we're always yeah, sure. You know, I'm around. excited about that Tommy Mac tool line, so, you know, we'll definitely get some in your hands. To see. Maybe, do you guys remember the bench bat and all that stuff from years ago? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I do. Yeah, so I'm going to go back and revisit all that stuff. Cool. So I'm excited about it. Great. Nice. Awesome. Looking Sounds forward like to your it. future's bright, kid. Sounds like I'm your future's bright. You know, knock <laughs> on wood, right? Hey, seriously, <laughs> I got some other computer right now. <laughs> All right, Tommy, thanks so much. All right, guys, good night. All right, take good care. Night. Bye. Everybody, Thomas J. McDonald of Rough Cut Woodworking. He was on the show, and we're celebrating our 50th, so that was awesome. That was cool. That was good. You know, it's it's neat to uh, neat to kind of step back for a moment and look at, you know, how we started this. I mean, this was... Um, you know, it, it's so funny because, you know, I, I said this earlier and we started this whole podcast. It was no intentions of starting a podcast. It's not like we got together and said, hey, let's start doing a podcast. You know, we just recorded that and then uh, somehow 50 episodes later, here we are. So uh, yeah, can you believe it? No, it's crazy. <laughs> so it was so it was nice. Uh, nice having uh, Tommy come on and and kind of helping us with a little celebration on that and talking about uh, what's going on on, on Rough Cut and uh, what he's got. So definitely awesome. sweet. All right. So uh, before we cover, actually, I don't even know what next next broadcast topic is going to be, but we'll get to that in a little bit. We do have something from our community conversation, though. Um, Lawrence Roten from MidnightWoodworking.com heard the discussion we had a little bit ago about mobile bases. Yeah, specifically, now, I was complaining uh, yeah. about how the army. You're the one. You're the one yeah. who was weighing in. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was I was bitching about how mobile bases are usually made so that they move in line with the bed. Specifically at a joiner, it moves lengthwise w- with the beds, right. which in my experience is not the direction you want to move the machine. Right. So um, Lauren sent me a link to this video, which has also been on um, – It's been out <laughs> there. That other uh, one that has many more episodes than us and a, a bigger viewership. Wood Talk. Oh, um, Wood Talk. Wood Talk. Online. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, Wood Talk has featured this video in either the last or the second to last episode, so I'm not going to bother embedding it, embedding it in the show notes, but I have a link to it if somebody wants to see it. It's a great video about um, this guy who made shop-made casters for all his tools, and he's working out of a two-car garage that two cars live in, so he's constantly moving everything to the sides, and 
I'll, like I told Lawrence, if you have an open framed machine, I think these are brilliant um, casters because they, they fit underneath and you, with your foot, you hit a lever and they pop down. You got four casters in the ground, moves all around. You hit a different lever with your foot, they pop up. There's no more casters. It's resting on feet and it's perfect. Um, unfortunately, my joiner has a solid base and there's nowhere to put this in between the legs like you can with an open base. So I would have to put it underneath the joiner rather than inside the base, which would just make it too high, unfortunately. So I'm going to fall back on my original design for my own mobile base. But you have an open based machine. I think this is just a fantastic thing. And um, I was telling Lawrence also, I'm, I have a drum sander that I have to set up in the shop and that has an open base. And I will probably end up building one of these casters for the drum sander. Um, cause I'm going to have to be able to move that around too. So I appreciate him getting back to us and, and responding to what he saw as, um, as a great thing out there in terms of these casters and my complaints about what was out there commercially. And you know, the funny thing about Lawrence is he's got this great blog with, he just feeds more than I do, but he doesn't promote it on social media. So if you do get a chance to go out and visit midnightwoodworking.com, do so. He's got a lot of really cool stuff out there. Absolutely. He definitely wanted to, what he does is um, projects he's making, he really takes you through how he makes them. So if you, if you like any of his techniques or any of the things he's building, it's all right there. And he does a great job of showing how he does it, what he does. Most he definitely. Hidden gems out there on the internet. And you know that that's where our, um, there's, he, he's actually hooked us up with, uh, a couple of our, our pictures and stuff. If you look at the main podcast, uh, the, the picture that shows up with the three of us, um, he actually photoshopped and kind of put that that deal together for us, as well as the uh, the Obi Roy. Obi Roy Kenobi. Yeah. yeah, I'm wearing mine right now, by the way. So <laughs> nice. I'm channeling. I'm channeling right now, guys. I'm channeling right now. Nice. I can but, feel the but, force. But is, yeah, I can feel the force already. Now, before we get too crazy into the force, uh, I hate to say it, but that just about wraps it up for the show. And if you're missing us already, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes. Just search for the Modern Woodworkers Association. Once you're subscribed, you'll be sure to never miss another thrilling episode. Oh, by the way, while you're on iTunes, leave us a five-star rating, even if you don't think we deserve one. It just helps our rank so others can find us more easily. And if you want to find out more about the Modern Woodworkers Association, be sure to visit modernwoodworkersassociation.com. Follow the MWA on Twitter at MWA underscore national. You could like the MWA on Facebook or circle Modern Woodworkers Association on Google+. And while you're there, join the MWA Google Plus community for project sharing, discussion, and loads of woodworking banter. All right, so until next time, I am Chris Atkins of HighRockWoodworking.com, or you can find me on Twitter at HighRockWW and all of those other interweb places. And since we mentioned it earlier, Facebook, I do use Facebook at uh, just... Christopher Adkins. So, we're around. Yay! I'm I'm Diami Plotke. Uh, that's Diami Plotke on Twitter. D-Y-A-M-I-P-L-O-T-K-E. And I can also be found at penultimatewoodshop.com. And Tom, and I'm the resident you shop web. How can people find I'm the resident shop monkey. Tom Iovino, tomsworkbench.com, and at tomsworkbench on Twitter, and at Tom Iovino on Facebook and Google+, and I'm sure coming to the latest and greatest social media networking that that that, that comes along in the immediate future. Uh, until we see you again for episode number 51, we wish you happy soda. Thank you very much for listening, and thank you for sticking us with 50 episodes. 